Like I ever forget anything. Amen. Acts chapter 7. Amen. A good soul winner, a good witness for the Lord will always uh, be mindful of the people around them. Um, as in um, Paul on Mars Hill, I can't think of a better example than that. He saw that they worshipped an unknown God as the, so, that, so that, was it the Greeks, I believe, could, could, could cover, uh, uh, make sure that they, they crossed all their T's. And if there's any God that they forgot, they just worship the unknown God just to make sure that they got them all, right? So, so Paul used that saying, hey, you, you worship an unknown God. Let me tell you who that unknown God is. And, and, and he related to him that way in a way that an opportunity that he saw to be a good witness to get the gospel across. Just like when you go uh, teach to the children, right? You're not going to give them theology. You're not going to preach to the children on how to have a good marriage, right? You're going to teach them things that relate to them. So in 2020, right, we do the same thing. Uh, When we're giving the gospel message to somebody, um, we're going to use we're going to use things that the person we're talking to can relate with. Um, and then there's every example in the book, anything you can think of. But <clears throat> but we're not going to start necessarily with Adam and Eve. We're not going to start necessarily with Moses or Abraham. We're most likely going to start with Jesus Christ as a foundation point. As far as reaching back in history, we're saying, actually, you know what? There's a man named Jesus, and start there, right? Acts chapter 7, the context of the scripture here, this is Stephen. He's about to get stoned. And he's using this opportunity to give the gospel message one last time to a bunch of Jews. He didn't start with Adam and Eve, although he could have. He didn't begin with Moses, although he could have. But with an unsaved Saul of Tarsus standing off to the side, putting his blessing of authority, representing the legalistic, pharisaical Jew crowd, religious crowd, standing there approving him being stoned to death, this is what Stephen was preaching. And he began with Abraham. Why Abraham? Because it related to them, Jews. He was doing what Paul the Apostle did on Mars Hill. He saw an opportunity to say, hey, you guys can relate to the Son of God. Let me start preaching there. That's what Stephen was doing. He was saying, hey, you guys, you understand Father Abraham. I'm going to start with the gospel message with Father Abraham. Philip uh, uh, with an uh, Ethiopian eunuch. He said, Isaiah 53, oh, that's a good place to start. Let me tell you about the person of Isaiah 3 and who that is talking about. This is what Stephen said, Acts chapter 7, verse 2. And he said, men, brethren and fathers, hearken. Now notice, he's, he's, he's relating to them national Jews, right? And giving them respect. He says, the God of glory appeared unto our father, Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Quran. And said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. 
Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Quran, and from thence went and from thence when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. And he gave none inheritance in it, no, not as much as to set his foot on, yet he promised that he would give it to him for possession and to his seed after him. When as yet he had no child. You could preach on that message alone, amen. That verse alone. And, and God spake on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage and entreat them evil four hundred years. And the nation to whom... Excuse me, and the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God. And after that they shall come forth and serve me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob and Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. Brother Zollers, I'd be honored if you'd open in a word of prayer, sir. Amen. Can we turn to Joshua chapter 24? Joshua 24. Amen. I love it. I saw often times in the Old Testament how Stephen's being stoned to death, and he, gave, he just gave the whole history of the gospel, right, starting with Abraham. Jesus, uh, with the two men on the uh, uh, Emmaus Road, he began with Moses and the prophets and just went right down through and preached Jesus. You know, some people say, well, you can't preach the same message twice. Well, every Bible character, every preacher in the Bible certainly did. Amen. Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. And Joshua, and Joshua said unto all the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now, I just want to point out, who, who's speaking? Joshua's speaking, but, but he's, God's speaking through him. Joshua's saying, hey, this is what, the God, this is what God's telling us. And then he goes on, he says, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods, little g, of course. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, interesting, and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac. This is God speaking through Joshua. Joshua chapter 24, verse 3. This is really God demonstrating his provision for the people of Israel. But more than that, God demonstrating his provision for the bloodline of Christ. God's telling his people that even before the flood... I preserved the bloodline for you. Even before the flood, before Abraham was even born, I preserved Abraham through his father when he was serving other gods. You think that God can't move in the heart of somebody that's not saved? God can't direct him and make this happen and make that happen? God can and he does. 
But what a blessing here that God preserved his people through an ungodly person, Abraham's father. Amen. Which, which points to the fact, and the Bible doesn't talk much about this, but if Abraham's father served other gods before the flood, there was a point in Abraham's life, and we don't know the whole story of his life, right? We don't have a... Right, we we couldn't we would never read enough about it. Right, it just wouldn't happen. God gave us what we need to know, and what we can handle, more realistically. But at some point in Abraham's life, he had to say, "You know what? What my dad's doing is wrong. I'm going to trust the living God." He had to make that choice in his own life. And we can make excuses, whatever our past is. And every time you're witnessing, you go to the flea market. You're at work. How many times people? Are, well, you don't know what I've done. That doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. Abraham had to come to that realization on his own because it was, he, didn't, he wasn't raised in church and he didn't go to Sunday school. I mean, a patriarch of the faith. I mean, Father Abraham, he's got his own song. <laughs> Amen. But our past doesn't, uh, doesn't need to depict our future. Amen. Might say that it's, but you're better off coming from a Christian home. Well, yeah, amen to that. You know, there's a whole lot of Christians, a whole lot of Christians that grew up in a Christian home that are more apathetic than whatever, that just don't serve the Lord. Whether they got saved and they got so backslidden or maybe they didn't get saved at all, I don't know. That's not for us to know, but there's a lot of pastor's kids they grow up and they, they turn out to not be good. Come on, look at Aaron's sons, right? Sons of Eli. But it doesn't matter what our past is. We can always accept Christ. There's always today and moving forward. There's always forgiveness. And Abraham is a great, great example of this. And here in Joshua, God's pointing out to the children of Israel, hey, even before the flood I, I had a plan, and, and, and I, I preserved uh, people. I preserved the bloodline. I preserved the, 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 the Son of God to come in the future before the flood even came. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. Let's go to where Abraham enters the scene in Scripture. In, in, in the chronological events of Scripture, and Scripture's pretty chronological, Pretty, right? You, you, have, you have, and we were here last Sunday night, uh, uh, Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Man, I enjoyed that study. Many hours studying that, and I look forward to many hours more another day and get a little deeper. But Genesis chapter 11, you have the Tower of Babel, right? 11, 12, Abraham. Abram comes on the scene, right? And, and, and if you're just reading and you're not, uh, uh, thinking about what you're reading, right? And we're not trying to, uh, 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 um, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, if, if, if we're reading and paying attention, we'll realize that it wasn't just like, oh, Genesis 11 was Tuesday and Genesis 12 was a week later. <laughs> no, we're talking like 150, 250 years later. I don't know the exact I don't know if anybody knows you. We're talking like 100 plus years later, right? 
between one chapter and another. And that happens all throughout the Bible. And, and, and you might have, you might have um, events in the Bible and, and sections of the Bible where it's like yeah, day after day after day, right? You see that Genesis chapter 1 for sure. But the whole life of Abraham is, is from chapter 12 through chapter 25 when he gives up the ghost. And you might say, well, that's, that's not a lot of chapters to encompass an entire man's life, right? And, and, and naturally thinking, and just off the top of our head, we might think, yeah, that's, that's not a lot, especially considering that, that in the Bible, and I had to look this up, there's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. Which isn't actually as crazy as you might think, amen. But on the other hand, that's a whole lot of chapters given to one man, considering, on average, how many verses are given to anybody in the Bible. Genesis chapter 12, this is where Abraham is, enters the scene in biblical history. It says, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God just made seven promises to Abraham. Boom, right there, concentrated. He said, I will make of thee a great nation. He said, I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And by the way, God fulfilled all those promises. Did you know that God fulfills his promises to us? Turn to 2 Corinthians 7.1. It'll be our last scripture for the night. Trying to keep it short, I went a little long this morning. Although I don't apologize for it. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm glad that it's according to his riches because we got no riches. Amen. 2 Peter 1.4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now look at 2 Corinthians 7.1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. What are these promises? He says, having therefore these promises. Well, what are the promises? If you read on down, it's not really talking about promises, but, but if we remember that these are letters and and the Bible wasn't written chapter, book, and verse. The Bible was just written. We added verses and chapters, right, just for study purposes. And amen to that because, whoo, we struggle to memorize verses as it is and know where things are, let alone if there's no chapters and verses. So let's go back a few verses. In the same context of Scripture, look at 2 Corinthians 6.15. Just jump back a few verses. The same... The same context here. It says, And what, what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he, hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what, <coughs> excuse me, uh, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, 
Look at this. I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So what are the promises that Paul's referring to when he says, um, having therefore these promises? He's talking about God hath provided salvation for us. He's talking about how God is faithful. He's promised that. That God will make uh, us a part of the, 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 His family through the, the, the glory of salvation. What's amazing to me... Let's turn to one more... I, I lied. Let's turn to one more scripture. We'll close with this one. 1 John 4.19 What's amazing to me is that these promises are made to the sinner in the lost state. Why would God... Make promises to sinners. Some theologians will try to tell you that God loves his children and he only loves his children and that God doesn't love you until you're a part of the family because how could a, a father or mother uh, love anybody but his own? That's just not true. I love my nieces and nephews. I love Adeline and Elizabeth. I even love Hope. Wyatt, not so much. I don't know about you. I do. But there's nobody that is going to sacrifice anything for anybody else if love isn't a part of it. It could be a stranger. You could have a love for humanity. See somebody <clears throat> suffering in the street or whatever. You, you can use Ukraine as an example. We have a love for people over there, and we'd love to do something for them. Amen. You don't sacrifice something for somebody unless you love them, let alone sacrifice yourself, let alone even more so sacrifice your only child. It'd be a lot easier for me to sacrifice myself, but even more so, Sacrifice my only child. God loves a lost people in, the, in their lost state. Amen. First John 4.19 says it all. We love him because he first loved us. If the Bible is true and we know that it is, God loved us while we were lost in sin. That's a theology that I won't back down on. I will stand firm on. Uh, I, I, amen. I got a lot to say about that. What's amazing is, and I'll close with this thought, that even in, like we're, we, I was preaching this morning, even before the first day of creation, God considered us in our lost state, sinful man, all of us. And he loved us enough to say, you know what, it'd be worth it, all the sacrifice and suffering this world's going to go through, even the sacrifice of my son and the torture of my son, because I love that lost person enough. I'm going to promise to give them salvation. Abraham was given promises. We are given promises. The God that I serve fulfills his promises. 
and, and when we get to talking to Mephibosheth one day up in heaven, he's going to tell you all about how wonderful God is. Amen. And what, how wonderful King David is. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, God, for your word. Help us to draw closer to you. Help us to study.